Welcome to the What Dreamers Do podcast. I'm your host, Carla Gover, an Appalachian musician, flatfoot dancer, mama, creative, and dreamer from Kentucky. I'm on a mission to inspire others to realize their dreams and live their most creative lives. Grab you a mason jar full of sweet tea or something a little stronger and pull up a chair because it's time to get your dream on. I'm Carla Gover, as you know, and I'm sitting here with my dear friend, Miss Carrie Norris. Thanks for joining us, Carrie. Thanks for having me. Um, this is fun. Yeah. Well, and you guys, uh, I know you're interested in Appalachian music and culture, and I just have to tell you that Carrie is basically like Kentucky royalty. Uh, <laughs> her grandmother um, was a person named Lily Mae Ledford, who was one of our state and national treasures for old-time Kentucky music. She kind of helped put it on the map, played for the president. Maybe a king or a queen or two, I think. President Roosevelt, yeah. um, king and queen of England back in 1938. <laughs> um, she was an amazing musician and fiddler, banjo player, guitar. She kind of did it all, and Carrie just kind of absorbed it all from her, even plays her instruments. So I'm super excited to, uh, to introduce you guys to Carrie and her music. know that you wanted to be a musician or did you was it ever even a conscious choice hmm. That's a great question um music has always been an incredibly strong force in my life i can't ever remember a deep marcation of oh music you know it was just like and i think that's because my lily may sang to me and rocked me from the time i was a, an infant you know, she was, she kept me until I was nine months old full time mm-hmm. while my parents worked. And then after that on the weekends. So, um, um, you know, when they talk about the transmission of a, you know, music or a heritage or whatever, I, I, I just was so fortunate to, to, to live that with her and, um, you know, my dad tells a story of like, I'm, he was, I was in the crib one day and he walks in and I, this was before I talked and he walked in and I was humming. I was like humming a tune, you know, and he's like, what, what, is that what I thought? Of? And he was like, yeah, she, she was humming, um, you know, way down yonder in the pop <laughs> which, you know, Lily Mae sang to me all the time. And, and so, so yeah, I, I just, I've always been really um it's just been a really strong force that's lived within me and so no there's not really been a time when when I I, I wasn't aware that um that 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 was present and it's just a really strong part of my life so it's basically your native language one of your it is is my first language (laughs) my first language absolutely absolutely I can't remember if it was your mom I remember somebody telling the story one time of of Lily Mae holding you 
and like holding you like this and just singing mm-hmm. right at you. Mm-hmm. That's, mm-hmm. That image has always stuck with me. Mm-hmm. But, mm-hmm. Um, so I know, you know, obviously our grandparents and parents are a huge influence on us. And uh, Jesse Wells, whom I interviewed last time, talked so much about his parents mm-hmm. and his parents and his dad, especially giving mm-hmm. him music. Um, but also in Kentucky, we're fortunate that it's just like you can't, you can't swing a cat without hitting a great musician. And I know you've been mm-hmm. influenced by a lot of other mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. Uh, amazing players. Mm-hmm. So do you want to tell us about some of your other significant sure, influences? Sure, sure. Well, I, you know, I mean, I will say my just growing up in my in my house with my parents, we moved from Kentucky when I was four and lived in Columbia, South Carolina till I was 10. So you know, I was away. I mean, we saw Lily Mae a couple times a year after that, but during that time. But, but there was always music going on, and, and my, you know, my parents were just huge music lovers and played a lot of good music, you know, on the stereo, you know, James Taylor and the Beatles and Joni Mitchell and George Harrison. And so it was always going. Um, you know, my dad's a guitar player, songwriter, so I was constantly hearing him make music. Um, just a very musically rich environment there. But then um, when I was 11, we had moved back to Kentucky, and my parents were in a string band, so they were, you know, playing string band music with a hammer dulcimer, fiddle, banjo, play, banjo guitar, bass and everything and the hammer dulcimer player knew about the Heinemann settlement school and their family folk week so our family attended that and um gene ritchie was there rich kirby was there tommy bledsoe you know john mccutcheon came and performed there um edna ritchie baker and i you know i was in the phase of you know all oh, this music is so dumb i I would just die if my friends knew my parents were doing this at that time. But then um, when I was, uh, when I was 15, Lily Mae passed away and that event really changed things for me. Um, I, I was, um, I was just determined to to maintain that connection somehow, and it was the music that was my my way my way of doing that. And so, um, you know, when I heard Gene Ritchie sing, golly, in Heinemann, it was like uh, it was so powerful for me. I just felt that feeling of the ancestors and this this music that was so powerfully connected to that whole energy. And, you know, that was something I desperately needed to feel like there was a way to maintain that connection, you know? And so, um, started singing. I had a little Volkswagen rabbit, you know, when I turned 16 and I sang in the car all the time. I played the Gene Ritchie tapes, learned the songs, learned the words. You know, I was singing. I was probably the only 16 year old learning old regular Baptist hymns in my, you know, Volkswagen. But I think that's about the same. I was 17 when I met you and we're really close to the same age. So we were, we were in the same headspace. Uh, 
I mean, I definitely liked rock and roll and, oh, and, sure, and like sure, music sure, of, sure. uh, I won't say my contemporaries because I was listening to the music my big brothers listened to, but I, what, what did it for me is moving from Eastern Kentucky to Central Kentucky and, uh, feeling that homesickness and realizing just what I'd grown up with and how it was a little bit unusual and mm-hmm. it wasn't like everybody's experience that I was mm-hmm. meeting in central Kentucky mm-hmm. and it made me want to cling to it too. But I just remember, I remember hearing about you some before I met you and then you played the banjo already, which I hadn't started playing banjo. So mm-hmm. I was like, mm-hmm. I longed I to play that. the banjo. I remember that. Yeah. I remember um, that. But yeah, I, I instantly felt that we were kindred spirits and uh, that connection that we had with our grandmothers. So so it's been really cool to see you continue to make music all these years. And I know that the uh, places that you've hung out, you know, you've, like me, have sought out a lot of these elders in Eastern mm-hmm. Kentucky and mm-hmm. at places like Hyman uh, Settlement School and Cowan Creek Mountain mm-hmm. Music School and mm-hmm. learned a lot of the tunes. And you've learned even a lot of tunes from your grandmother that you didn't learn necessarily when you were little. You've mm-hmm. gone back now and learned them as an adult. So. Right, right, right. Yeah, I had the... Rich Kirby and I co-produced a CD of Lily Mae's music. Um, came out in 2001, I think. And so we, we went back and did a lot of um, searching for, you know, old recordings. And I, I ran into things I had never heard before. And it's Yeah, that's really cool the yeah. way these, they just keep cropping up to every now and then, like some dusted digital or mm-hmm. some old video. At least it'll be new to me that I haven't seen of your grandmother. Um, yeah. So that yeah. comes up. Well, one of the things that we have been talking about um, in this series is the way that this music is so intimately connected with the dance styles of, you know, that you can't really divorce them from each other. And so uh, I just wondered if you have any anything you've noticed about playing for dances or mm-hmm. anything you've uh, any thoughts you've had. I know I'm kind of putting you on the spot about this, but mm-hmm. um about the way the two connect, or does it feel different to play tunes when you're playing for a square dance or for a flat footer versus just playing tunes with no? I will say this. Some of the most joyful times that I've had playing my banjo are, have been for dances. I think that um, it's a synergistic thing that happens, you know. And I mean, this music is the tunes are dance, or it's dance, they're dance music, and um, there, yeah, there's just like a vibration that happens when you you get the two going. That's just really awesome and fun mm-hmm. and powerful. And I, I think I don't know. That's Maybe a more metaphysical answer than you were looking for, but no, um, we, can, we can be as metaphysical as you want. Um, yeah, yeah, I, and I, I've, I've done some with my kids at school. I, I teach this kind of stuff to kids, and and I've actually gotten to where I can call a dance and play at the same time. <laughs> the Virginia That's... Reel, and they, you know, they just they love it. It's um, it's uh, it's very clear to me that that the two how the two are connected. You know, they just almost seem like one thing in a way rather than two different things that you happen to be doing together. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and it's, it's been fun in this, uh, in this course, in this experience to kind of 
dive in to each tune as as it comes along with each new picker we meet and really think about, okay, which steps go with this tune and how can I really bring out uh, this rhythmic motif or this mm-hmm. little slide mm-hmm. in the fiddle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we're excited to uh, mm-hmm. to hear from you today because we've been dancing to fiddle thus far. Okay. So this is going to be our first tune where we're dancing to the banjo. And um, and that'll be fun to see, you know, how that feels different than, than dancing to a fiddle tune. Um, so what can you tell us about what you're going to play for us today? Sure. I'm going to um, play a tune that Lily May learned from her father. His name was Daw White Ledford. He was a fiddle player and multi-instrumentalist. But um, the tune is called Hawk Caught the Chicken and Gone. Um, it's a pretty simple tune. It's not a real... You know, complicated tune, but it's it's it works works pretty good for dancing and. All right, so, well, yeah. I'm excited to try dancing to it. All right, uh, all right, thanks. All right. <laughs> Well, friends, it is with great sadness that I have to tell you that Miss Carrie Anna Norris, my dear friend and treasured linchpin of music and art in Kentucky, passed away last week, and the whole musical community here has been shocked and reeling and trying to come to grips with this great tragedy We recently had the service for her and honored her life and her legacy here in our state and in the world. And I just wanted to put this show up this week to honor her. I'm really extra grateful now that I got to interview her for this, which was part of my Kentucky Tour to Dance program, um, part of the dance education outreach work that I've been doing here in the state of Kentucky and beyond, and Carrie was gracious enough to to join me for that, and so I just wanted to have a little Carrie moment here on the show today, and if you haven't ever checked her out or explored her music, she was a very unique voice and not only knowledgeable about traditional music, but the world of art and quilting and visual art and more avant-garde types of music as well. And she was a composer. So, so Carrie, we love you and may your memory be a blessing to all those whose lives you touched with your music and whose lives you have yet to touch with your music. Rest in peace, sister. This episode of What Dreamers Do is sponsored by the online Appalachian Flatfooting and Clogging Academy, the only course of its kind and the most comprehensive step-by-step program available for dancers learning this style. I teach beginning and intermediate students the steps and skills they need to dance to traditional mountain music so that they can be confident, joyful dancers and improvisers. Unlike others who just teach the same handful of steps or who just teach routines, I give you not only a bountiful library of steps, but a framework for understanding how the steps fit together with the music. Learn more about the Academy and get started for free with my video tutorial, The Three Essential Steps for Appalachian Flatfooting and Clogging. Visit www.carlagover.com today. It's a gold 
Infinity contains 